All right. We're going to go ahead and get started because we are running behind. Um, let's pray together. Father, as we uh, spend time in this forum, I pray that my friends will be encouraged. They'll be encouraged in a multiple ways. Uh, I know ultimately they'll be encouraged because of who you are and how you reveal yourself to them. And Father, thank you for what uh, Wilson shared this morning. We all work out of some form of fear, and, and we're actually going to talk about one of those today. Um, but I pray, Father, that you would um, be our rock and our shield as we deal with these things. So direct our time. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, uh, guys, uh, we're, we're doing the forums different this year, as you already can tell if you've been here before. Uh, we're, we're doing the big group because what happened uh, last year is I was doing this one forum on uh, men's struggles, and the first time I offered, we did it, all the, every guy, I think, showed up. And then I was going to do it the next day, and nobody showed up because everybody went to the first one. So we started thinking, well, maybe we just keep everybody together and, and not talk about men's problems, maybe just talk about women's problems. So, Okay, no one laughed. At the girls just went, Haha, funny, Mark, funny. You're a really funny guy. Just we don't have no time to talk about the women's problems. So, uh, sucker. Um, just send all your comments to Jeff Summers, Perimeter Church. Um, all right, today we're going to talk about what is called uh, an occupational hazard of, doing, of working in a church. Uh, there are many occupational hazards for us working in youth ministry. Um, that you know, we drive kids in 15 passenger vans and we try to squeeze 20 in there. That's an occupational hazard. Uh, occupational hazard of uh, wanting to say something about their parents to their face, but you can't say that because that's an occupational hazard. But that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, the occupational hazard of, of being feeling disconnected inside the church that you work. And, um, and so this has been something that I've been, I've been talking with... Uh, our, our staff at Oak Mountain uh, talked to my uh, executive pastor about this, and, and um, you got to understand, Tom Carradine worked at Briarwood for 20 years, and then he came over to Oak Mountain, has been there for 10, and he's just a black and white guy. And when I first uh, talked to Tom about this, just about some concerns, um, he just looked at me and, you know, about this disconnecting and says, Mark, you just got to realize that's an occupational hazard. And it was almost in his voice of saying, suck it up, that's just the way it's going to be. And, and while I think there's moments where we need to suck it up, I don't think we need to suck it up when it comes to feeling disconnected to our own church. Um, I know that uh, for us, we stay so busy because we tend to be on this little performance treadmill in front of the church, you know? We've got to justify our existence, so we've got to stay busy. We've got to stay as busy as the other, the other guy at the other church. And, you know, all, this, all these fears that even um, Wilson talked about this morning. And so in the middle of all that, we feel disconnected to our own church. We're not connected. And if you're married, your spouse may feel that even more than you do because they want to be connected. But like with me and Francis, I want her with me everything I do. I want her to be at the youth ministry. I want her to do all the stuff that I'm doing. I want her with me. I want her to go on the retreats with me. I want her on the, on the ski stuff. But it, inside that, it creates a problem, and Francis may not feel connected. Um, and it could be, it could happen the same way with your spouse. And you don't have to be, I'm not saying it's just for married folk. I think it's uh, very important if you're a single person 
working in the church, trying to find some way to connect with your church outside of youth ministry. And so what, what I'd encourage, and, and guys, this is not a lecture. We're actually hoping, I'm hoping to gather some data, some information that uh, I could write about and share on a broader scale, given the information that you have. And I'll give you all the credit in the book that I write, um, I promise. So, um, yeah, it's a two, point two. Um, no, you're not, no threat of me ever writing a book. I'm not ever getting my doctorate, nothing like that. Don't worry about that. But, but this forum is to have an open discussion about that. And so I want to start by asking you this. Is it true? How many of you guys in here, and I know that I'm going to actually raise your hand. I know you're going, man, everybody does this. Well, just suck it up. Um, how many of you guys feel a little, let's say, disconnected, I would say as a whole, with the churches you work at? Raise your hand if you have disconnect. Okay. Let's flip in the other side. How many of you guys feel pretty well connected to your church? Raise your hand. Kyle, you win the prize. You, you do? And then Jimmy? Good. All right, well, we're going to be gleaning some information about them on how they do that um, or how that's happened. Um, I've got a couple of suggestions, but again, that just turns into be not just a forum, um, some kind of seminar. I don't want that. I want to hear from you guys. Um, so as we talk about what... Uh, causes this disconnect move move deeper than what i just said we're busy move deeper don't just say well we're so busy really what is the issue that we uh, that work in a church are dealing with with our own heart what's the issue here somebody tell me or just share it with the group what's the issue what's the real issue we think we're better than who other members of Monty that works here at Perimeter? No. Like <laughs> oh, okay. I was just saying it because Monty's back there from Perimeter. He used to work at our church. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, we think we're better than they are? Really? Is that an issue, Frank? Uh, sometimes, like, in the sense, like, you're in, you're in Bible study and, like, you just, you've been to seminary. You might have been to seminary. You might know more Right. They say something that's really heretical. <laughs> Which I think will lead to a, a part of a discussion I hope we have. But, but that, that's a good point. I was wondering what you meant by being better. But anybody else? We don't want to be exposed. We don't want to be exposed. Wow. Went to dove deep there. What were you going to say, Jeff? I think we spend so much time with teenagers and we build relationships with them. It's, it's easy to isolate from people our own age, whether you're a 20-something or, in my case, I don't spend time with adults, I spend time with teens. So when I'm around a group of adults, it's not necessarily my comfort zone. Uh, I think that's isolating. Okay. Well, let me, let me uh, uh, go ahead. I was just going to kind of add to that. Relationships take a lot of effort. <laughs> and you're spending all your day, like 9 to 5, building these relationships. And then you go your free time and then to try to build relationships with people that you're one age or older it's, it's just more work it feels like very true and, and that kind of goes with the discussion on what we'll go to what are you going to say were you going to say anything Matt? Say same thing our relational capital is limited okay yes Charles I think that there I mean just add on the there's, there's a general suspicion of uh, the adolescent generation that you attach yourself to that you're actually putting yourself under that same suspicion as well. 
teens just by spending so much time with teenagers. Adults, your own peer group actually becomes suspicious of who you are. Hmm. I never thought about that. That's good. Did y'all hear that? You didn't hear it, Matt? Charles was talking about when you hang out with them, you start looking like them, and everybody starts thinking you're a junior high kid. And then they go, you're going to act like a junior high kid. And they get suspicious of you. And then I, and I automatically go, suspicious of what? Your motives for wanting to hang out with junior high boys. I mean, seriously, in this day and age, you, you don't think that pops up in people's minds? Last year, um, working, no, two years ago, working with a, a broken family, the, the dad didn't want us to spend any time with their children unless he knew about it because the mom had them for one week and the dad had them for one week and so when mom had them for one week she brought them to our church and we are relationally driven wanted to build relationships with them and he said no and because he you know i'm sure he has some suspicions um yeah just caused the disconnect well, let me ask you a question let me back this up do you think it's important to connect why why is it important for you to connect with your local, the local church, with the church that you work in. Why is it important for you to connect? It's the bride of Christ. It is the bride of Christ. Keep going. And I think it's all about the body of Christ, but talk to me why. Yes. Well, because uh, everything you said, right? I guess your particular calling may be ministry, but if you're ministering in the church, your call is to minister to the church. And so you're not just ministering to teenagers. You're caring for uh, parents families and people that are connected to them, and that may mean any other person in the church, or if you're part of a holistic approach, because your goal is not to create a, a Christian experience at age 17, your goal is to create a follow of Christ at 17, 30, 35, 40, 47, 50, you can just throughout the life. It's not, and eventually as old as me. You're not, you're not praying, yeah, eventually, 78. <laughs> Guys, why do you need connection with the church? You, you can, you can give all these issues about connecting with the local body and, and all those things. But yeah, the answer is Jesus. Um, <laughs> but don't, but don't we get caught up in that though? We get caught up in that vacuum. Um, it's kind of like when we were, I was in seminary and I replaced my quiet times with my homework. Well, I was in the Bible. And I'll never forget Brian Chappell looking at us in a, in a homiletics class saying, don't do that. He says, matter of fact, when you come to chapel, bring your Bible, don't write any notes. And if you want to write in your Bible, that's fine, but don't, don't, don't bring the classroom into the chapel and you, all of a sudden you're, you're outlining my sermon or, or whoever is teaching. And we do the same thing when it comes to working in the church. We replace the community that we so desperately need with something else. And I think, you know, that book that uh, Wilson talked about this morning, Dangerous Calling, it's a fantastic book, y'all. It, it's great. Uh, we're working through it with our staff, and and uh, we actually have some homework we have to do with it to drive us to start thinking about these things. And and part of our calling, it will it will we we all of a sudden see the need outweighing the call. Well, I've got to be there. I've got really. We may be we may need to be in a, at a meeting or whatever, but there's re- there's certain things that start tugging on us. And I appreciate your frankness. Frank, (laughs) Um, when he said, you know, we feel like we're better. What what happens every time we get put in a group? Yeah, we ask, we ask, they ask us to pray. And then they just naturally tend to think you're going to lead it. 
and don't and we just want to be. We just want to go and be. But 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 that but that is one of the hazards of working in a church. You have somewhat a spiritual training or a calling in your life, and, and they're looking for that, but sometimes you just want to be. Why do we want to just be? Come on, get, get us there. Why do we need, why do we want to just be there? We want to be real. What, what are you missing out on if you don't connect with your church? What are you missing out on? Yeah. I just think the body of believers is one of the primary ways that God builds our souls. I mean, he nourishes us through community and relationship and if we're going to minister out of fullness and overflow, we have to have that. I'm just weak. And I need, need some brothers that, that I can just say I'm really weak right now. But there's, failure, there's fears in that that we may be exposing ourselves. Because you're not supposed to be weak as a youth well, worker. But how convenient for you to do that in this setting and not at your own church. Okay, so. Wait, wait, wait we're going to go right there. Um, I just, the other, one of the other values, this is a very practical value, but one of the values is when we sit in a small group or we sit in a group of, non, of non-youth ministry church members, we can celebrate what God's doing in our youth ministry and enable them to celebrate with us and perhaps be an encouragement to, there's a little bit of a, I hate to use this phrase in one respect, but there's positive PR that can happen when we're able to say, God's moving our student ministry, and this is awesome, but I just need to thank you and praise him. Well, and I think that's fantastic. I do. But aren't there just moments where you just go, do I have to be on? We need to be, we need to be loved. We have thank you, Patrick. Thank you. We always talk in youth ministry about how we don't need to have our needs met by the students. The reality is we do have needs. Well, and we, need, and we want to be loved. When was the last time you got encouragement? And Patrick and Sarah and Aubrey don't say anything. When was the last time you got encouragement? Really just a, a, a big thank you from somebody in the church. I'm, I'm hoping there's several hands that pop up. Is there, has anybody have it recently? Raise your hand. Okay. About a third. Two-thirds of us. When was the last time we got some encouragement? We, we, we want to be loved. Now, I think when it comes to connecting to the church... I think that's going to be one of the, the biggest blessings the church can have is to have its staff connect with the church. And the reason for that is in our day and age is we're trying to communicate, we're trying to uh, demonstrate relationship. It's hard for us to demonstrate that because we're always on. And for us just to walk into a room, at, um, our church is getting involved with this thing called Battle for Men's Hearts and Battle for Women's Hearts. I don't know if you've heard about it. But it's a challenge for, for people to, to aim at the heart. And I, my desire has always been in youth ministry to aim at the heart with the students, not to just get behavioral modification, because I was a coach, I could get that. But I wanted to aim at the heart. I wanted to see if we can start there, because that's where Christ does. And I think we long for that. We long for someone to aim at our heart. But it does, it can expose us. It can demonstrate some things that sometimes you go, yeah, but this is going to hurt my performance track if I say this. If I tell those adults I lost my virginity when I was 19 years old, what are they, what are they going to think? You shouldn't be talking to 19-year-olds then. <laughs> so, so we start. No, we don't. No. But I think if you get in a group, if you get in a community and they're starting to... <laughs> That's not my job description. Did I have to do that? I didn't see that. But I think when you get in, once you get involved with a 
some form of connecting group, you, get, you really just want to be off. You just want to go, can I just be a man? Can I just be, for you women, women? Yes, were you going to say something? Well, I was going to say before, we need to be poured into just as much as we are pouring out. We're not anyone's savior. We are not Christ. You know, and nobody can be that for us either, but we need to, we are just like giving of ourselves. And so if we're just giving and giving and yeah. giving, we're just going to fall. I, I heard one uh, guy I can't remember a long time ago, talk about um, how we're to be filled every morning, like filled with the Spirit, or, and you have to do that every morning. And, and um, he goes, the reason we have to be filled is because our, our vessel's cracked. We've got cracks in it, so it's got to be filled. But how can it ever be filled if it's cracked? It, it will never be filled. And then he said, the way you, it's filled is you take that vessel and you put it in the deep, deep waters of Christ. So if you take a cracked vessel and you put it in a bucket... It's full of water. It's full of water, too. And we need that. And, and we, um, it's not just youth ministry. Um, I think it was Wilson, you just said that. I know right now um, that um, there's a staff person at our church that's not been to worship in two years because of his in, 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 um, responsibilities during church. And, um, and so I think for us, it's important. So let me get back to more practical things. About how do you think, not not how, what do you think it would take for you to to connect with your church? What would it take? There's a trap here. I want you to know that. There's going to be a trap here in this question. But what do you think it's going to take for you to connect? (laughs) Jesus. The Bible, Moses? No. What's it going to take? Yes. We're saying connect a lot. Would you like give me a quick definition of connect? What are you envisioning when you say you're connected? Um, I want to feel part of the body of Christ. That's my. I mean, it could be uh, in a small group setting. You know, I can't go to I can't go to a Sunday school class with my peers. I teach Sunday school, so I just want that connection uh, with my peers. I guess. Good question. What's it going to take? Yeah. I'm going to add it up because I think most of us are highly relational. Maybe we're not all extroverts, but we're highly relational. So my expectations are much higher than I can ever achieve within my church context relationally. So I have a hard time defining what is a healthy expectation for me to connect with my church. No, that's, a, that's a great quote. Patrick, can I use an example? Uh, Patrick is wrestling with this. He's been wrestling with this, and it's even got more intense now he's married and he's got a child. So he approached uh, our, one of the pastors who does life groups. Uh, it's a good way to connect with our church. And uh, Patrick just shared with his desire about what he wanted to do, wanted to connect with the church. And he said, great. And then the pastor said, can you lead this life group? And Patrick just said, no, 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 you missed it. I just want to be part. And there's that expectation that we have because we are so relational. But what's it going to take? Everybody's afraid of the trap. Yeah, over the years, we've had to plan sometimes even less events. We were talking about how, you know, like, we're trying to, like, protect spring break, protect some of the summertime. Um, we have life groups, community groups at our church, and my wife and I are both serving during, say, Sunday school times, so we can't go to them. We try to make it to every fellowship, every Christmas party. Even got committed to being missing the youth function to go be a part of something that you get 
Yeah. There, there will be uh, some sacrifice, I think. What else? What's it going to take? Yeah, Frank. I think, uh, I, need, I need people to pursue me um, in the sense that, like, when people don't see me at our adult fellowship for three, three weeks in a row, and they'll say, where the frick have you been? Or why aren't you coming to our small group? And they, they want to pursue me. They, they love me, and so they chase after me. That is. That's good. Having people pursue you. What else? It takes some work on our part. It does. That that was part of the trap. We we wanna we tend to wanna fall into that. And nothing wrong with people pursuing you. I do. I believe that. I love that. But it may take us initiating. And I hate to say this. We are the professionals. Initiating, but you got to, but getting it to a point where you're not going to have to be on. Uh, and it could be as simple. And I think, I think one of the ways that we can that can help us connect is uh, by us. We need to take the initiative. Uh, maybe there is something we need to miss with our youth ministry. Um, if, if other people can handle it, or it can be done without us, because there's something going on with the church, it's going to take some initiative on your part to connect. You can't just wait and think because you're on staff. Staff are the most neglected people in the church. They are. And, and I, hope you have a, I hope you have a church that says that's not true. I, I applaud that. I'm grateful to hear that. But for the most part, the staff are the most neglected. But I think we can fall into that trap of woe is me. Why don't you, you know, what do you do for me? I, I'm doing all these things. What's it going to take for me to connect? It's going to take my initiative. The same thing would ask for any other adult. You know, we hear it all the time in our churches, don't we? Well, I visited that church, but no one talked to me. Now, there, that, that's true. There, we, we should be talking to visitors. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's going to take you initiating. Now, now let's get creative because you don't want to depend on me for that. How, do, how can, what, what can we do to initiate? Yeah. Um, I like to play basketball. So I know on Saturdays there's a group of guys that get together and play. So like, that's one way that I've been able to do that. Um, Put that in a general form. Just find some kind of uh, like-minded group or when I see, I can't get, what, what am I looking for? Just say like-minded groups or look for them or, okay, you're not helping me. Frank. Uh, so my Mondays are my days off, and they just suck because you just sit at home and you play video games and watch movies, and you're like, this sucks because I don't get to see anybody because nobody's off, and it's a Monday. Like, <laughs> right? And so um, last year I started cooking for people, um, and since free food is a big draw, I ended up with an email list of 86 people on my wow. email list, and about 15 to 20 people would come regularly. To this dinner. Um, and then at the dinner, you broke down and had a big Bible study. Is that what you did? We're expecting you to have a Bible study, Frank. Well, I don't. So. Well, just pray. Just pray, and it'll, it'll cover. Well, they make me pray every week. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's good. 
The uh, we do a we do a, a Monday night dinner, and it got to the point where um, I was doing the cooking every week, and it got to the point where I couldn't do it anymore, and because I had class on Mondays, and so I quit having them. And the people that had come regularly said, "Why Mondays stink without these dinners?" And so we're going to take it on, and you can just come and hang out and have a good time. And they did that for a few months, and then I took it back over at the end of the year. Hmm. We did it every single Monday in 2012, and they kept it going in 2013. When I gave it up, I haven't cooked in 2013. Wow. And they met every Monday, and it's been awesome. We, we are the creative people, right? I mean, you are the creative people. Get creative. What else? I love that. What, what else can you do? Yes. Yeah, but I know your boss. You, you got to work till at least nine, nine thirty. Yes. I guess if we're, if we're tired of just nice surfacing conversations, just to, to go for it and just tell them how we're really doing and see how they respond if they dance. <laughs> <laughs> we're Presbyterians. We can dance. It's okay. No, no, I, I agree. But give me, give me practical ways though. I need this for my book. Yes. It's just practically on I mean, I'll have it as our situation. Um, we're, we have five staff people, and then maybe we just be intentional about, hey, on Sunday, that's your Sunday, you go and you be, and we can do that once a month. Um, we, I mean, you just need to commit to doing it and, and just do it for someone else. I don't feel connected. And every time, uh, we talk about this a lot, but our church always does everything. It's set up so that everything for the adults is at the same time. There's something for the kids. So it's like, it's very hard to like, Youth group, there's grace groups. Um, right. Sunday school or Sunday school. Every time that the adults are meeting, they have to send their junior kids somewhere. So right. We're always in the room. So we just have to be intentional. Like, think about plan for our ministry and what will work best. So it be like, hey, this Sunday, we have more people who are on, and then that's your Sunday to go and want to be. Yeah, we, Patrick and I talked about that. That if uh, I was teaching the senior high, he and Elizabeth should go to an, a, a, class, a class on their own. That's good. Yes. I think something that we've been well here is connecting even just with our staff and not connecting just when we're working and being relational with students, but having time to build that relationship with one another. Because, I mean, in all honesty, like, you're probably not going to get that many relationships outside because right. you have so much time and energy to pursue. I mean, like, I think even what Frank said, like, if that's our, our job is to pursue all the time, yeah, I agree, but I just I think you need you have to live in the now and the reality of where you are, and if the reality is they're not they're not going to pursue you because you're the, you're supposed to be, you're being paid to pursue people, well take advantage of that to a point like Frank did, and then just hand it off. Um, I think uh, talking with Patrick uh, for his wife Elizabeth, she wants to feel connected. Well, Patrick's so busy in the youth ministry, she wants to be there with him. And, you know, one of the suggestions or things we talked about is him just doing a dinner club and just starting it and then just kind of melding into it instead of being the leader. Now, it will take a few times for people to kind of catch that, but it's going to take some intentionality. We, it's just a, where we are. The occupational hazard is everybody looks for us for connection. Okay, work with that. Work with it in a way that can meet the needs that you have. You'll have to manipulate it. This is in the best sense of the term. You want to manipulate it to where you can just 
become part of it instead of just, you may have started it, but you've been just become a part of it instead of being the person there. What are some other ways? Yep, Charles, oh, or Ponch. Uh, the Bachelor has been a great connecting tool uh, for me. <laughs> now this is with older, this is with females of your age, junior high girls, that's God. That's what we watch Monday nights <laughs> I mean, taking advantage of other people's creativity or lack thereof with television shows, the Bachelor being an example, um, figuring out what people are interested in, what people are watching, and then I try to watch it so I can have a conversation with them about it and maybe get invited to the, the Bachelor part. <laughs> so you're looking for a Bachelor? <laughs> I actually want to be on the Bachelor. There you go. That's, that's a whole different goal right there, Bob. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I like to think a lot. Woe is me. I'm really busy, and I've got a lot of things going on. Relationally, I'm expending a lot of energy, and I forget to take into account that a lot of my friends that aren't in ministry are also really, really busy hmm. in their lives, and their lives are really full, and they've got a lot of things to do relationally, like parents in town, kids, wives. <laughs> and so you just have to think, I need to pursue these people the way that I pursue my kids. And sometimes with kids in the youth group, I will work two weeks in advance to make sure I can get dinner with that kid. Right. And I need to put in the same kind of effort, if I value it, with my friends, because I can't just expect to call a friend on the way home anymore. I'm not in college and say, hey, let's go get dinner. And they'll say, yeah, sure. I'll just leave my wife and kid. And go eat. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. So That's a valid point. If you put a high value on it, you have to act on it. And you've got to say, I'm going to pursue you two weeks in advance. And it'll happen. Oh, yeah. Well, I think if we, if, we, if we think it's important to connect to our church and be part of our church, then we need to be productive to that not counterproductive because we you know the, the counterproductive we're really good at because we're really busy but i think that's a good way to be productive to that goal and that is am i gonna am i gonna pursue and, and i know it gets back to the point where here i'm i'm the one that's having to pursue again well that's just the reality of our job guys it's just the reality um yep i was uh, really help most i think most of the youth pastors here work with staffs and I had a youth pastor that I worked with for a while who he wanted to hold us accountable for all facets of life, not just how you're doing ministry-wise, but like physically, how are you doing? Emotionally, are you spending time with those relationships that fill you up and, and connecting, it, as you would say, to the, to the people in the church? And he held us accountable to it. Mm-hmm. And he asked us to hold him accountable. Like, is he going to spend like quality time with people that are going to build him up and fill him up? And... I know, I mean, it sounds simple, but if you, if you work with a staff, you have a natural accountability kind of set in place. And if you really believe this is something that you have to have in your ministry well, it seems logical to have accountability. And that's good. Accountability groups. Excellent. Uh, Kimberly. Um, two things I was just thinking. One is, don't be, like, don't be afraid to set boundaries when you're in your peer relationships. Like, a lot of times I'll just say to my friends, you know, it's kind of a joke, but I'll say, it's my day off. Like, I don't want to talk about work. Because a lot of my friends are Um, and then the other thing is, just speaking about that initiation piece, um, 
<laughs> because I think that's one of the reasons why I don't is I'm so white and if I think of that I don't have the relational capital if I connect with some couple where I'm ministering to them constantly then I feel like I'm at work hmm. and I don't have that bandwidth in me to do that and I know around here a lot of these couples that I know are messed up I know the couple's well enough to go, okay, if I, if I get into that, you know, it doesn't mean, obviously, if you're in a relationship, you are going to have to have, you're going to have to get messy with them and they're, and they're John too, just like they're getting in yours. So it, some of that's going to happen no matter what. But you can seek, I mean, I always, when I hire staff, I try to look for help. And I try to look for help in relationships, too. And I think, you know, I just want to encourage you that because all of us get jazzed by people plugging into us. And we like, the, we like the Jesus complex, too. And so if that's what is attracting you to hang out with people, then they're just going to drain you. Too. Right. And that's not going to accomplish what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't think the motivation should be so we could minister. We, the motivation should be we, so we can be ministered to. Good. Very good point. You know, when I, I was uh, worked at a church in Florida, a smaller church. My wife and I tried to build community and have community with couples our age and they just kept moving. They just kept moving. Yeah. Just, just, just too transient to establish any relationships. So then when we moved to Mississippi, um, you know, people were more settled. We were able to establish relationships. I've been you know, in the same church now for nine years. We joke around and said they can fire me. We should have got a church here. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that is, you know, the five, 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 guys, five or six guys who come up with college with us, some of my peers in the church. And, you know, we started. You know, and not you know, this discipline, religion, praying this much time and spending this book every semester, just literally a, a small group of fellowship. And this, this same group we meet for nine years. Wow. And, uh, and you know, that's what I look forward to every Friday morning. But uh, it, didn't, it didn't just happen because we're so awful, awesome. You know, we, we all we all need. And uh, you've got you got to be. Yeah, and and that and that's sad. You'd you'd wish it wouldn't be that way. Uh, you know, I was blessed when I first moved to Oak Mountain. There was a guy on the search committee, and um, we just kind of struck up a, a friendship. And if I found out that uh, he went to my, he graduated from the high school I did in Huntsville, Alabama, Grissom High School, a year ahead of me. And um, and what's funny, what's funny is we just had a kindred spirit start developing this relationship. He didn't drink or smoke when I met him. 
cigars. Um, and now he does more than I do. Um, but, but it was a kindred spirit. And, and I think it just takes a, you know, I was great. I was blessed by that me be put in that setting. But I think there's times where we just need to look for it. Um, and don't be afraid. Maybe some of the, maybe one of the other ways in their initiation is what are the things you like to do and find people that like the same things. I mean, I like NASCAR. I haven't found anybody yet at, at Oak Mountain. Um, I like to fish, and I'm finding more people that like to fish and hunt. Um, I found a lot of people that secretly drink. Um, but uh, but I, just started, I just started looking for people that I have. And don't be afraid because it, you're not trying to be on in that moment. It would be just like you when you were in the sixth grade on the, on, the, on the playground. You gravitate to the people you're like-minded. You know, I was short and round, and I looked for other people that were short and round, and we, got, we formed a club. Hasn't changed. Anybody else? Just a couple more. Yes. I have a question, I guess. Yes, question. So, some of what we're talking about is just actually searching out for genuine friendships. That's what that's part of what's happening. Well, I think the I think the ultimate goal is connection with the church. How do you do that? It'll be through friendships. And, uh, I guess then my question is someone now will we'll have staff at work with you. Do you find yourself in, I guess I'm asking a little bit of Mark laid bare, but what what do you do to achieve this same thing? Like you said, you, you struggle with this guy, but how do you model it for your your, your staff? No, I've, I've done a horrible job. And uh, I'm, being, yeah. uh, me and my wife talk about this a lot. How are we going to do this? Uh, how are we going to be able to show about this youth ministry silo? It's about the body of Christ. Well, I, I've done a horrible job. I'm a word fanatic. I mean, I work, I want to work, I want, I want to do my job the best I can because I have all these little complexes about do they want to still have a 52-year-old youth pastor? So I'm working hard enough to justify my existence. So in that process, in that wake, my staff has suffered. Uh, Sarah was the smartest one. Sorry, Patrick. She was the smartest one. She joined a tennis league. And now she just did that to get an, have an outlet and also to dominate the 50-year-old, 60-year-old women that she played. Um, <laughs> But, but, but anyway, I, I, I've not done a good job with that. But um, we're, we started that dialogue, uh, uh, especially with Patrick being married. Not that Sarah, don't ever get married, don't ever leave me. Stay with us, okay, um, unless he lives in Birmingham. Um, but, but we started that dialogue. Um, I, I, um, I, think, I think there may be ways I did try to do that. Um, we live still live in Birmingham, Alabama, in the deep south, and, you know, Alcohol's taboo, still there. It just drives me crazy. And, you know, I moved from Memphis, who was so free with alcohol. <laughs> I mean, my senior pastor made me this drink. I just went, what? Excuse me? Um, yes, I'll take seven. So um, I go to Birmingham, and I try to do something I was doing in Memphis called um, Piers and Beers. And uh, it went over like a lead balloon because youth pastors aren't supposed to drink. Not in Birmingham, Alabama. And so I had to do some finagling, be more dis- discreet and all this other stuff. So it's just, there, I tried to do something and we still do this thing called, and I don't mind calling it now again, the back porch. When I was in trouble, I used to call it the appendage on the back of my house screened in because I couldn't call it the back porch because, and here's why. My executive pastor told me, he said, Mark, everything you do is an event. That's his mindset. 
Everything I do is an event. Uh, if I'm in that, I'm tagged. And I went, that's ridiculous. When do I get to be off? And he said, you're not ever off. And, and so Tom and I got to, we got to talk about that and discuss that more. He, he didn't mean it as drastic as it sounded. He wanted me to be more discreet, which I thought I was being very discreet. I mean, maybe not with the title Peers and Beers, but just, you know, be more discreet. Um, but so it's just, it's, just, it's just tough, and that's why I haven't modeled it very well. Does, does your, just as thinking as a pastor who works with other pastors, I mean, is that a mutual, I mean, like, I feel like that has to be a mutual mindset instead of leadership of the church. Yeah. You know, the, the teaching elders, the ruling elders, they all have to kind of buy into that and say, you are more than just a 50 hour this is what you do, you're, like, you're, you're an actual person. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like that also, there's, that's an element that I guess, that's like me and you over lunch kind of conversation, but, uh, you know, but I just feel like if you're in leadership, you can't model it because you can't partner with someone else on your staff and do the same thing relationally and healthily. How, how can we? Well, it's a, it's a mixed signal right now. It's just a mixed signal. Anyway, yeah, Frank. What do you think of um, plugging into sort of other ministries within your church, not as, uh, not as like volunteer help or but just going? So, for instance, I have a young adult fellowship that I go to. It's 20, I think it's great. 2013. 20, 30 something that I refuse to volunteer for them in any way, shape, or form. I just go, and they deal with it that way. Yeah, well, but they, but they, you know, there's going to be a vacuum there because you are the paid person, and they're going to anticipate or expect put expectations on you. I think it's great, though. I think that's what we're talking about: finding some kind of niche inside the church. Yeah, Charles. Good question. The uh, I'm, I'm walk down and back. So I'm, oh. but I'm wondering how much of this is just uh, part of a larger symptom of the church that just operates. So you want to connect, but nobody really wants to connect with the public church, right? You know, you want to attend the children's ministry because you have children, but you don't want to interact with the rest. I mean, it's, I'm wondering how much of this is a symptom of something bigger in our churches that are that just kind of function as multiple entities. Yeah, I, I think there's some truth to that. I think I think there's some some truth, but I think really it just. I mean, we can, we can look at all the symptoms all day long, and we can identify those things and have strategic plans to attack that. But again, it falls back to you taking the initiative. To, you're the one that's going to have to attack it. You're the one that's going to have to. And I think when it comes to connecting the church, and just I'll just close with this, you're going to have to initiate, unless you're at that incredible church that says, we want to take care of you. And we not only want you to do youth ministry, we want, to, we want to make sure you have time to da-da-da-da. I think uh, having a day off is important. I think having that day off and protecting it, having that day off and protecting it and not doing ministry, uh, play tennis, play frisbee golf, I mean, fishing, sleeping, whatever it is, you need to protect that. Um, but that's also a great time for you to initiate things maybe to, to spend time with just as being a person, being just people. Um, but inside the church itself, though, it is a, it's, a, it's an occupational hazard. Recognize what it is, and, and you can't, it won't go away. You have to manage it. And part of that management is you taking the initiative and then just kind of melding in and being part of something instead of just leading it and guiding it. Anybody got anything last thing they want to say? It's going to bust if they don't get to say it. And come to the Barnes Connection every year. Yes, and come to the Barnes Connection every year. Exactly. Um, 
By the way, we are so thankful you're here. All right, let me pray for us. Well, Father, thank you for this great discussion. Thank you for allowing us to have a forum of peers that we can bounce ideas off of and say things and not feel like we're being graded, not feel like people are wondering about our motives. Our desire, our motive is to honor you and please you. Our desire is to stand in awe of you. So, Father, continue to reveal yourself about this matter, this particular matter in our lives, and show us the way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.